You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors' sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt. Especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Duncan. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOSB, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams and all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOSB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The following podcast contains major spoilers for the series finale of Game of Thrones. You have been warned. Dracaris. Hello, 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 David Corbin here up next, uh, reviewing the final episode ever of Game of Thrones, and I am joined today again with our guest, Mike Hogan. Alright, mate. How's hello, it going, Hello, baby, how are you? I'm oh, okay, I'm very how are well. you? This is possibly the most British way to start a podcast in the world. <laughs> uh, I'm good, thank you. Pretty tired, but otherwise good. Yourself? Yeah, I'm pretty exhausted. I had a major case of insomnia again last night, but four shots of espresso are hopefully kicking in about now, and I should be able to be perky enough for this show. I have a can of Monster on the go to try and perk myself up. I have a, had a very gracious girlfriend this morning who woke up super early to watch Game of Thrones with me so we can record this podcast now. So how early did you wake up for it? Uh, so I was up at quarter to seven. And I know that doesn't actually sound that early, but I don't have to be up until gone eight o'clock. And Laura doesn't have to be up until about half eight. Um, right. So, yeah, shock to the system, especially on a Monday. Yeah, yeah, not nice coming out of the weekend. Well, I uh, I watched this not in a bar this week. I watched this round a friend's house. Um, there was a good crowd of about 10 of us, but we did watch it later because the Toronto Raptors were playing in game three, which ended up going to two overtimes. So the game went on a lot later than expected. So we ended up watching this on about an hour's delay. Um, but yeah, it was exciting. Everyone behaved. Everyone was quiet throughout the whole show. Um, it's fun watching it with people because you get a real sense of big moments in the show, the U's, the R's, all that. It was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, you don't really get that in the UK much, do you? Uh, you know, as I'm sure you know from when you lived over here, cinemas, you don't really get much of a reaction. I, I couldn't think of a bar showing a TV show. Uh, sports, obviously, but it's just very different over there compared to here. But I don't, I couldn't have imagined I'd have rounded up anyone else to be like, hey, France, come to watch Game of Thrones before seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. It's, it's cool, though. I like it. I like getting a sense, especially doing these sort of shows, like what everyone's feeling is. Um, and there, there were definitely some moments in this episode that we'll get into where a lot of people were cheering or booing or gasping. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, I think I said, to give you an idea of my thoughts on this episode, I think I said, fuck that, about three times at my TV screen. Uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of, you know, got into it, the old chat, cheering and whatnot. So, before we go into the actual recap of the episode, do you want to just give your overall feelings for this episode? It, it seemed very polarising. Uh, so, I thought this was a fantastic classic Game of Thrones episode right until the moment John killed Daenerys and then it fell off a cliff dramatically. Okay. And just did not stick the landing for me. But yeah, we'll get into it. What about you? I I really liked it. I think I mentioned last week, I think it's very hard to end a show like this. Uh, anything that's well-loved, a TV series, uh, a movie franchise, whatever. I think the final one is always going to be a struggle for people because people are so attached. People don't want to say goodbye. Uh, people have had too long to come up with their own ideas of how they think it's going to end. Um, for me, I liked it. I felt the episode itself ended, as you said, when John killed Daenerys, and then we had basically an extended epilogue. Yeah. Um, I... I mentioned last week uh, about Lord of the Rings. I know you're not a fan. I got a lot of Lord of the Rings vibes from this, um, especially Return of the King, which has been criticised for having basically half an hour's worth of endings with like just trying to wrap everything up. And I kind of got that uh, vibe from this episode. I'll go more into that later. But overall, not... I really enjoyed it. You're not the first person I've seen say it uh, reminded them of The Return of the King with the repeated ending, and then there's a bit more, and then there's a bit more, and then there's a bit more. Um, but obviously, I have no frame of context. But, so, also but for I, me, I didn't get that impression. Also, for me, I like that in Lord of the Rings. A lot of people didn't like that, but I feel it's necessary to to wrap up each story arc, each character. And for me, it it was never about necessarily who was going to be on the throne at the end. Um, like, I wasn't going to have a strong feeling of, yes, it's them, or no, it's them, or whatever, either way. I just wanted the characters to be wrapped up, and I, I felt they did do that. Yeah, and my issues with the episode aren't uh, a sense of, oh, it, it lasted too long, it overstayed its welcome. I, I didn't get the impression that it ended, and then it ended, and then it ended. I thought it was actually paced quite well, uh, but, you know, we'll get into what my issues were with it as we go on. Okay, and with that being said, let's go into the final episode of Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 6. No The 
show picks up right where we left off last week. It is silent. You just hear the sound of Tyrion Lannister's footsteps walking through the ruins of King's Landing. He is looking around at all the devastation that the new queen, Daenerys, has caused. Uh, the first casualty we see is just the the ashes of a burnt child, um, giving sort of uh, telling us all these in- innocent people have died. These aren't soldiers; these are families, children, women. Uh, we see a man walking towards us who's just completely burnt but still alive, and Davos and John are right behind Tyrion, and he says he is going in alone. John tries to say, I'll send some men with you. Um, I thought at this point that Tyrion meant he was going to see the Queen, um, but we discover he's actually going down to the crypts to see if uh, his brother and sister did make it out or not. Um, What did you think of the visual of this first scene? Uh, I agree. I thought he was going to uh, see Daenerys at that point. I feel it, you know, it really did continue the themes that we saw uh, from last week. I had a different director this week. It was the show's creators. Um, I think it's their first time they've both directed an episode this week. Um, and, and they managed to continue that feel of desperation and devastation. But one thing I noticed about this uh, opening scene, where did that lovely white horse go that came to visit Arya? Because that definitely wasn't there today. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that as well because the, the end of last episode kind of gave you the feeling that Arya was taking this horse and riding off to Winterfell. At least that's what I thought. Yeah, um, nope. Staying right where she is. Yeah, it was odd. I think it was just a a symbol of hope rather than actually her heading off. Um, she was tripping balls. Yeah. Um, we see Grey Worm with uh, surrendered soldiers on their knees and he's sentencing them to death. John's trying to talk him out of it. Uh, Davos is saying, how much more defeat do you need? They're on their knees. Look around you, friend. We've won. I love how Davos just seems like that that normal guy that you just see at the pub and like having a chat with. He's he's, he's hasn't incredible. got a bad bone in his body. He's even at this point, he's calling Grey Worm friend after everything that's happened. He's like, come on, friend, have a look. We've won. We're good. Yeah, he is just, you know, he's just the man, isn't he, really? Yeah. I, I, if you'd have told me when he was first introduced that he'd make it to the, the last ever episode, I would have thought you were mad. So I, I was just happy for him to be here, get a couple of lines in. Um, but yeah, it's very telling of his character. That's why him and John get on so well. They're both honourable, even yeah. though sometimes they, they may have had to do dishonourable things. Um, John and Grey Worm have a bit of a stare down. John saying he's going to go to the Queen and basically talk to her about everything and how we shouldn't be taking out all these innocent people at this point. And as him and Davos are walking off, Grey Worm slices the throat of one of the men. Um, Such a dick. Yeah, like Grey, Grey Worm was one of my favourites as well. He was such a underdog character that built up and he's completely... Well, he's fully Team Daenerys. Yeah, blindly loyal. Absolutely. We see Tyrion in the crypts. He's seen all the rubble that's blocked all the exits. He's walking around and sees the golden hand of his brother, Jaime Lannister. And he starts to tear up. He's removing the rubble. He sees Cersei's face first and then Jamie. 
and they're dead, they're holding each other and he starts to sob and pound at the bricks. Um, there's a beautiful shot just looking over Tyrion, looking down at his brother and sister's body. Um, I, I th thought he nailed it in this scene. Oh, this got me. I thought this was beautiful. I got the feeling that he was almost as upset about Cersei as he was about Jamie. I think him seeing them there, he realised that he talked he talked her out of it. He he talked her into running away with him, starting a new life, and to be that close to his sister. I wouldn't say redeeming herself, but trying to start again and being killed at that point. Um, and he is yeah. now the only member of his immediate family left. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought I mean, this was beautiful. I, I'm an only child, so I don't have the any kind of experience of what it would be like. But, you know, family is family. They say you can't pick your family. And I'm sure no one would pick Cersei to be their older sister. But I think he really portrayed you know the devastation and how sad and, and despondent he was um seeing his family dead realizing that he's the last one i know last week i forgot he was a lannister but no he <laughs> he, he is a lannister and you know he, he's realized that that's it although i did think um comparing the last uh scene with them of last week's episode if they'd only moved sort of 10 feet to the right they probably would have left <laughs> that's true yeah that's very true um, we see John walking through the armies. He's got the the same concerned face he had last week. We see a lot of this concerned John uh, this week. It's an and, old favourite. Yeah, and he's heading towards Daenerys. The armies at this point just, they look evil, don't you think? Yeah, uh, it was almost sort of, and this is a bit of a weird uh, sort of description. It reminded me almost of like Nazi Germany, the way they're all stood there and the flags, like the old historic photos you'd see exactly. everyone there in unison. Um, there, there was no dispute. And these are the bad guys now. Yes. Um, yeah, it, it, it was really, really well put across. Just rigid black armor. Um, yeah, they. I put the army seemed brainwashed and evil now. Yep. Uh, we see the dragon flying over them. Uh, as we said last week, the dragon used to be looked at in awe. Now it's a thing of um, power and evil. Um, the Dothraki are just like yelling and chanting, seeming like savages. Uh, and then we get possibly the best shot of the entire series. Daenerys oh, yeah. walking out with the demon wings of the dragon sprouting from her back as Drogon comes out over her. This looked incredible and completely symbolised that Daenerys has turned. She is evil. Yeah, it's like uh, what Elena said to her in season seven. You know, you've got to have them fear you. You've got to be the dragon. The note I've written down here is that shot of Danny coming to talk to everyone with the wings behind her was fucking insane. Yeah, Just just incredible and i think that's going to be one of the, the as much as people have knocked the stories and and the plot and how characters have gone i think one thing you can't knock this series is the cinematography the music it's looked beautiful you had the clegane bowl last week and now this shot here you could easily just freeze frame those and have them as a canvas oh like they, yeah, it's, it's artwork shot. i want on my wall for sure 
Um, Daenerys makes one of her speeches. We've seen Daenerys make a lot of these rallying speeches throughout the entire series. But this time it just seems terrifying. Um, she makes Grey Worm uh, the Queen's Master of War. She says he's been with her since the beginning and she's rewarding him by making him the Master of War. The ar- All the armies start banging their staff on the floor. Uh, she calls the armies liberators. Um, the word liberating is used a lot in this episode and it means something quite different than the word should mean. It's the liberating is what they did last week with just burning the city to the ground and that's the only way she sees now in freeing man is to basically destroy and start anew. Well, that's the terrifying thing about villains. They believe absolutely in what they do and that's what makes a convincing villain when when they've got a point and they fully believe it i'm, I'm sure she doesn't think she did anything wrong and uh you know we get into it later on uh, with a talk with john she's absolutely bought into this this is the, the way to do and she's doing the right thing this is her destiny absolutely and this was another comparison i had to lord of the rings at this point the whole shot of like taken from behind her with looking out to her armies is very much Saruman looking out at Isengard in the Two Towers, which is a a very like iconic scene from that. And also, he was someone who who started good and turned pure evil was was taken to the dark side. You're really making me feel like I should have watched Lord of the Rings before <laughs> doing this week's episode with you. I'm These sorry. are all flying straight over my head, mate. And but that, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's a great point. That's fine. I mean, there's stuff you're going to pick up on that I'm not, but I was very much getting these Lord of the Rings vibes. I got a lot of Lord of the Rings and a lot of Shakespeare throughout this whole episode. Um, she says she wants to liberate the Seven Kingdoms. Um, it's interesting because the very first place she says is Winterfell and it shoots to Jon, and which kind of makes him think she's going to do exactly the same to Winterfell as she did to King's Landing. Yep, that's what I was expecting. We see Tyrion just start to walk up and absolutely no fear. He knows he is signing his death warrant at this point. Um, but he's he's over it. He's He's a righteous man. For all the mistakes he makes, he's always been looking out to do the right thing. And I think just... The height of him as well um, makes him seem so brave. Just this this tiny man walking towards this powerful woman, the most powerful woman in the whole of Westeros with this huge army in front of her. And he doesn't give a shit. No, he may be small, but he casts a huge shadow across the whole of the, of the series. Um, I thought Peter Dinklage may have sewn up his Emmy nomination with this episode. I think so, absolutely. He's he's um, just so good. Yeah, that he was my, originally my favorite character when when I first started watching the show, and then I got into the more secondary characters, and and I felt maybe he didn't have quite as much to do as he did in the second series when he was the hand and or his uh, trial scene. Yeah, but whew, this episode absolutely smashed it. Daenerys says, "You freed your brother. You committed uh, you committed treason, and then." Perhaps my favourite line in the whole episode. I freed my brother and you slaughtered a city. This, as I said, I was watching with people. This was the point everyone's going, Oh! And <laughs> oh, snap! Exactly. He removes the hand of the king. 
uh, the pin and throws it down the steps. And yeah, the reaction was huge when we were watching this. Uh, the banging of the staffs stop. And there's a moment, I don't know if you took this away from this moment, but this is what I got where I thought Amelia Clark was fantastic. Um, because the word sort of hit her that she slaughtered a city and her eyes almost tear up, but she realizes she's gone too far and has to, has to commit. So I, did you get that? I didn't that? get that. No, I didn't. I was funnily enough thinking that she was going to have him murdered on the spot. Um, right. I thought she was part, and you know, as I said, this uh, scene she has with John coming up, I think she's fully, she's almost so mad she's convinced herself she's not mad. So yeah. she doesn't think that she's gone too far. This is just all part and parcel. But I thought with this sort of new mad queen, she was just going to have him Dracarist on the spot as soon yeah. as he throw that, uh, the pin down on the ground. I, I just, I felt maybe it's, it's just me wanting to feel this, but I just felt there was this second where, she thought, she thought about everything she'd done and then was committing it. It reminded me of of Theon from season one, um, when he suddenly made that decision and and had to go, he had to go all in or not at all uh, with killing, um, with like seizing Winterfell. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm gonna rewatch the episode, so I've only watched it the once, so I'll have, I will look out for that. But, yep, she orders Tyrion to be seized. Uh, Arya sneaks up on Jon and says, I came to kill Cersei. Your queen got there first. Jon says she's everyone's queen now. Arya goes, try telling that to Sansa. And Arya warns Jon that as long as he is alive, he will always be a threat to Daenerys. Yeah, what, what is it she says? I know a killer when I see one. I know a killer when I see one. Yeah. And if there's anyone you take that advice from, it would be Arya Stark. Absolutely. I thought um, in this scene, the look on Arya's face as she uh, as she first sees Daenerys in my head, I was like, well, she's got a new number one on the list. I thought that anyway from from last week, but she just looked so pissed off, just seething with hatred towards her. Yeah, I I thought Arya was going to say, um, like, I came here to kill a queen, not I came to kill Cersei. So I. I thought she was going to imply that I'm still going to kill the queen. That would um, have maybe been the most badass line in history. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought they were setting Arya up for more at this point. Um, yeah. And it didn't really go there, but she was still, yeah, a badass in this scene. Yeah. Uh, John goes to see Tyrion. Tyrion asks, did you bring any wine? Uh, I thought they kind of had to get a line like this in, seeing that was the last... Last episode. Yeah, he loves the sesh, does Artyrian. Yeah. Uh, I betrayed my closest friend and watched him burn. Now various ashes can say to my ashes, see, I told you so. Um, Tyrion says that he betrayed his queen and would do it again, uh, having seen what she did. Uh, John is in complete denial in this whole scene. He's saying the war is over. Um... And we've won, and Tyrion's going, if you, you've seen what's happened, there is no way the war is over as long as Daenerys is queen. John was coming across like a proper wet lettuce. He really was, wasn't he? 
Um, yeah, oh, hold on. For, for everyone that doesn't know what a wet lettuce means, just an absolute wimp. Someone getting walked over, just not, just no strength to him at all, just in denial. And yeah, he was the definition of a wet lettuce here. Absolutely. I felt this scene was brilliant because for me, it um, answered a lot of the criticisms that people had about last week's episode. Um, so It's strange, isn't it? Because obviously they wouldn't nothing has been changed no. um since last week so it must have been really hard for them to sort of keep their mouth shut knowing like come on we're going to address this yeah in the future just fucking give us a few weeks to to finish the story off before you start criticizing absolutely and i think people are very quick to to criticize about things i mean we're both wrestling fans this is essentially a wrestling podcast And how many times, sure, booking is all over the place at times, but how many times are people going, just wait the story out? We can't just give you, we can't do audience satisfaction right away because then you don't have any story. You need to wait it out. And it felt to me like Tyrion had been reading all the negative tweets, all the people going like, oh, Daenerys took a complete 180. And in one speech, he was like, no, you idiot. Look back. This is all the things she's done. He goes, yeah. she liberated the people of Slaver's Bay. She liberated King's Landing. She will go on liberating until she frees them all. Our queen's nature is fire and blood. He goes, my father was an evil man. My sister, an evil woman. But the body count doesn't even get anywhere near to how many people Danny killed in a day. She murdered the slavers of Astapor. She crucified hundreds of Miranese noblemen. She burned the Dothraki alive. Everywhere we go, she kills and we cheer her for it. And every time she is convinced she is good and right. Yeah, he was dropping some truth bombs. Absolutely. And this, as as we've said, this goes way back to, to season one, essentially. That if you're watching, as he said, we've we've watched her do this and cheered her and... But it, it's all going, to, building to this moment. So I don't think this turn was a 180 at all. This was spelled out from the beginning. Yeah, I can understand criticism in the sense that the, the season has felt a bit rushed. You know, what journeys that used to take episodes, they're, they're in one place in one scene, they're somewhere else in the next scene. I, I get that. But this turn was not just because Miss Ande got her head chopped off or... No just because she lost the dragon, there have been the hints that she's always capable of this. And it's been intentionally done by the writers to keep it in the back of your mind. Yeah. Um, you know, how how slow do you want her to turn? It, it made sense for her to do it in the moment, full of anger, full really? of grief. Everything she wants is right in front of her. It's just one Dracarys away. Um, I will die on the hill that Daenerys' turn was not was not rushed. I, I think that was executed perfectly. I, I completely agree. And I think reading reactions, um, like I, I have friends who, who have been writing, like I'm so upset with what they've done to this character. This was such a, a positive character for women and um, like someone you can look up to who came from being, being broken down and just built up and up and up. And I am... I hate this writing because now it's crushed all of that. 
that is the feeling they should be getting from their audience because it's leaving the audience feel disappointed. You feel exactly how Tyrion and John does and at this moment. Yeah, well, uh, to use wrestling analogy, at the minute you've got Baron Corbin, who everyone on the internet is saying, oh, I hate Baron Corbin, he's shit, he's this, that, and the other one. When you watch Raw or a pay-per-view, who gets the loudest boos? Baron Corbin. You're not meant to like villains. You're not meant to enjoy the choices that they make. Villains are villains because they are villainous. They are bad. We shouldn't want them to succeed. We shouldn't think that they're good. We shouldn't be mourning choices that they've made they've made the choices because you know they're not very good people they are heels as we say so you know i I, and a heel turn should make you feel sick yeah a heel turn should make you feel oh i love this guy and now look what they've done um and i think Tyrion again addresses some of your criticisms from last week when he goes i know you loved her i loved her too Not as successfully as you, but I believed in her with all my heart. Love is more powerful than reason. We all know that. Look at my brother. Well, you know, you should at me next time, Tyrion. You want to chat shit like that, but I'll let it slide. But yeah, I I felt this addressed the criticism of Jamie last week. His, yeah, love. Like, people do stupid things when they're in love. Uh, Like, Uh blindly follow Daenerys Targaryen or... Or just go with your sister knowing that you know it's wrong and she's evil, but you love her. I'm not saying everyone's sister, but you know what I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we're not we're not condoning incest on no. this podcast here. Uh, uh, to be fair, um, last week I had just watched the episode and then straight away came and recorded. Today I've had uh, I've watched it and then had a day to meditate on it. Mm. And with the Jamie thing, I have come around i'm much more okay with his character arc and the way he died just thinking of him as a very tragic figure he he didn't think he deserved the love that he got he resorted to the only love he thinks he's ever known which is from an awful awful dumpster fire of a person in cersei he went back to her and he paid the ultimate price of his life he you know as you were saying you were getting shakespeare vibes from it he is a classic uh tragedy Absolutely. so i'm i'm in a much better place about that now and maybe in a week i'll be in a better place about the finale but until then let's keep on moving i've i've, I've got a lot of notes here i've had a lot of time to meditate on this as i say <laughs> uh, just i just want to say these are the scenes i love as great as the battles and the shock deaths and all that these the way Tyrion uses language and that's why i love Varys so much <coughs> as well like their scenes together um they just captivate me and I could watch them all day. I could watch Tyrion and Varys have just a meeting for an hour, I feel, because they're both so fucking clever. And this was the last time in the show you really got a scene like this. Um, He goes, it's a terrible... Thrones being thrones. Absolutely. Uh, He goes, it's a terrible thing I'm asking, but it's also the right thing. Uh, Do you think I'm the last man she will execute? Who is more dangerous than the rightful heir of the Iron Throne? Uh... John is still being a wet lettuce. He's still in denial, saying that's her decision. She is our queen. And Tyrion has one final card in his back pocket, which is family. And goes, and your sisters, do you see them bending the knee? Why do you think Sansa told me the truth? She does not want Daenerys to be queen. John goes, she doesn't get to choose. And Tyrion's, no, but you do, because he is the rightful heir. 
Uh, fantastic scene. Yep. Cannot argue with that in the slightest. Although, considering what was about to come, I did not get the impression from that that John's mind was swayed so much. But again, that this is one of my issues with the episode. There's a lot we don't see. For all, for all we know, John could have had this chat with Tyrion and then sat in a dark room for a few hours just replaying the thoughts over and over in his head yeah. before, obviously, we get to, to what's to come. And I really think going into this next scene, he he's hoping that there's like something some heart in Daenerys still and that he can he can convince her very much like Jamie in the last episode with Cersei like he just he wants to give it one more shot he is in love with her uh he wants the best for the people but I think he knows deep down that he's gonna have to kill her I, I, I don't know I think he's walking into this throne room knowing there's only one of us coming out of it alive right but uh, but that that was obviously in hindsight. As I say, I did not expect uh, coming into the scene, watching it fresh, that, for him to do that. But after seeing the scene and now thinking about it, I think John's walked into this room and and he, he's got the dagger and and he knows what he has to do. It's his duty. So John is walking towards uh, the Iron Throne to see uh, the room where the Iron Throne is to see Daenerys. He walks past Drogon, who wakes up. And Drogon's like, oh, it's you, John. Yeah, all right, go ahead. Yeah, you're a Targaryen. You're fine. Yeah, you you're smell good. good. Um, do you assume this was, this is Ash? Like, it all looks like snow, but you assume this is Ash falling throughout this episode? Yeah, yeah. I assume it's Ash. Although, I, apparently, I, uh, someone has seen a script and it says snow. Okay. Um, but I, I don't understand why it would be snow. We haven't seen it lashing down with snow in King's Landing for a while. Yeah. Everything has just been burned. I assume it I assume it's ash. I just love the idea of the whole thing's been winter is coming, winter is coming, and we assume that's the White Walkers, whereas the whole time it's actually the city being burnt down and the winter is ash representing snow. I kinda like that idea. But you wonder what their intent was, because uh the inside the episodes, which if you haven't been watching Go and watch them. They're put on the Game of Thrones YouTube channel. Okay. Um, in-depth documentaries on all of the episodes after they air. Fantastic. But they say after the, the Long Night episode that they only knew Arya was going to kill the Night King uh, while pro- producing season six. Okay. So do you think maybe that was the original plan and it was going to be snow and it was going to be the, the night King and the white walkers and then something changed. I don't know. It, it depends when, like how much did George R. R. Martin tell the writers of how, did he just say who he wants on the throne or did he give a bit more of an outline of how to get there? And when did he tell them? Because the Night King is a is a TV show um, character, isn't he? I think there's something called the Knights King in uh, the books, who was an old commander of the of the Knights Watch, uh, who went rogue. But I don't think there's necessarily a, a leader of the White Walkers in the books. Forgive me if I'm wrong, book readers. Um, so I I do wonder if if they've changed path at some point. Oh, I'm sure they have, but I I want to know how. Yeah, how much of a an end game they were told by by the author? Uh, well, apparently there was three. Uh, when they started to go past the books, there was three twists that uh, GRRM told Benioff and Weiss. One was 
Hodel and Nadal. So you have to imagine that's going to play more of a part in the books. Um, and I wonder what the other two were. Maybe maybe Brand being on the, the throne would be one and Daenerys going mad. Maybe. I don't know. Hopefully. Hopefully they come out and explain. I've not seen the inside the episode for the finale yet. Yeah, it's wonder. I wonder whether we'll learn that now the the series has finished, or it's something we'll have to wait till pretty much the books are completed, if ever. Well, I really like the theory that he's had them ready to go and is just waiting to he's, see how the reaction he's goes. That yeah, um, yeah, I'm sure. He has. I do like that idea. Um, so Daenerys sees the Iron Throne for the very first time. Again, I'm getting strong Lord of the Rings vibes. The throne is the one ring. It's the thing that all men want. It corrupts people. It's all powerful. We even get a choir boy singing uh, the Game of Thrones theme, which is is a very Lord of the Rings and the one ring thing. Uh, she Come is... on, just throw a wrestling reference in there for <laughs> me, mate. I'm dying. Call it the Money in the Bank briefcase or something. Okay. And everyone wants that. Uh, so, John approaches her and questions her about the surrendered men being killed on her orders. He asks her to forgive Tyrion, to free him. And she says that you have killed many people and it's broken your heart having to do it. But as a, as a ruler, we have to, we have to do these things we don't want to do. And John's going, we need a world of mercy. Um, and, She's basically saying we will get that, but we need to rule together. Um, we can lead this new world. Um, what we're doing is good. And he goes, what about all the other people that think they know what is good? And this is where she's starting to sound crazy. She goes, they don't get to choose. Her eyes are all super wide and she looks like a crazy woman. I absolutely love her monologue here. Um, she is the Mad Queen at this point in time. She doesn't realise it. Like all tyrants, all tyrants believe that they're right. She's got what she wants, but she's got that lust for it now. She she wants to go elsewhere. She wants more. Um, And I've also written, and people will still say this is a surprising turn of events for her character. Yeah, (laughs) I don't think so. Um, This is pure Shakespeare tragedy. Uh, Even the speech is just so poetic be with me, build the new world with me. This is our reason. It has been since the beginning, since you were a little boy with a bastard's name and I was a little girl who couldn't count to 20. We break the wheel together. We do it together. John says, you She's really are my not queen. asked that it's her nephew, is, it? is she? Oh, doesn't care, doesn't care. Uh, you are my queen, always. The music swells, they kiss. I thought this was a brilliant fake out because the music really made you think, oh, John is going with her. John is going with her. And then you hear the dagger. Go that was unreal. I I popped out of my seat at half seven in the morning. This was the first, fuck! Yeah. And for me, there was a moment where, like, we all thought we heard it. And we go, did, did, did he just stab her? And then you see the blood start really? to trickle down her nose and her mouth. Yeah. Oh, I thought she got him. Oh, you thought she got him? Yeah, I thought she got him. I thought the way it was building and the way she was so mad and, you know, we're going to be in love and then <clears throat> cold as ice, get rid of him and be like, well, unfortunately, it won't be you. But uh, no, oh, that's quite interesting. Yeah. I think we had very different ideas about this scene, obviously, watching it. 
Yeah. Oh, completely. Uh, said so this. This just feels like the the end of a of a Greek tragedy, a Shakespeare tragedy. This is Othello killing Desdemona. Spoilers. It's been out for a while. Um, just a bit. Uh, we then hear Drogon like. Like, there's this connection between Daenerys and her dragons. Like, he can feel it. He knows something's happened. He flies there, and both Drogon and Jon are grieving. This this made me tear up a bit. When... One less grieving than the other. <laughs> <laughs> um, Drogon's trying to wake up Daenerys. He's, like, shoving her. Like, this, this made me sad. Were you um, getting Lion King vibes? Oh, complete Lion King vibes. Uh... And then Drogon looks at Jon. He builds up the flames. You think he is going to torch Jon. Jon has a look on his face where he he accepts that. He knows that's what's going to happen. But but knew it was necessary to kill Daenerys. But Drogon turns and torches the Iron Throne. He knows that this is what has corrupted his mother. Hmm... Now, sorry to jump in, but but this is a sticking point for me. Okay. So, I believe Tyrion said in season five or six that uh, some maesters say dragons are smarter than humans. So, has Drogon been studying political sciences when he's not slaughtering <laughs> goats and children? Is he is he now like a nihilist and is more offended by the concept of power? Uh, than anything else and is taking a uh, an almost uh, left-wing stance to just break the throne entirely because I don't really get that. Are you seriously telling me that this chameleon on steroids understood the symbolism of burning the throne or you go the other way with it and is he a moron and saw a pointy thing sticking out of Daenerys, looked for the nearest pointy thing, which was the throne, and was just like, Rah, I'm going to burn this. It, it was very weird for oh. him to not aim at John. Like, if he just screamed and did it in the air, sort of Bad Boys 2 style, like, no, screaming into the sky, fine. It was very strange. No, I, I didn't get that at all. I, I thought, like, this is a clever beast. Like, if you can accept that there's an animal that can breathe fire, why can't you accept that? Like this beast is clever enough to to know that this this has been the end game the whole time is for for Daenerys to be the queen and it's corrupted her entirely and led to her inevitable death. If Drogon was smart enough to do that, then Drogon should have actually been the one to sit on the throne and just have a <laughs> translator. Because he is understanding the game far better than anyone else in Westeros. Oh, I think you're being too picky here. Animals are clever things. I mean, the thing is, I can't really argue against that because it's not really an animal. But I feel like if we pick the closest real world equivalent, maybe an alligator or a Komodo dragon, and you had, what is it, like they say 10,000 hours of anything will make you a genius in it. I bet if you sat down with an alligator for 10,000 hours and told it all the lore of Game of Thrones and read a bunch of political sciences, science books to it, it would still at the end of that 10,000 hours just bite you and kill you. No, I, I see it being more like a dog, like how loyal a dog is to its owner and how a dog will go back to the point where his owner used to live before he died and all that sort of thing. That's that's what I got. 
I would make the same bets for a dog, only rather than like biting and killing you, it it would just lick you. (laughs) Although, as I say, you know, it's a dragon. Who can argue with it? Sure, why not? So we then have the time jump. For me, this is where the episode ended, and now we're into epilogue territory. But there was so much plot progression before it got to like an epilogue this is this is where my issues with the the episode start the time jump it just and it baffles me why they thought they could cram all this into half an episode everything from here on out so Tyrion wakes up uh in his cell and is led by Grey Worm to the the lords and the ladies of the houses we have uh, I'll try to name most of them. Some, I've got to admit, I wasn't sure who they were. But we have Sam of House Tarly. Uh, we have Edmure, Lord of River Run. We have Gendry, who I can't remember what he was made Lord of a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the old Baratheon Gaff, we'll call it. Yes. Uh, we one. have Jon Royce of Runestone. We have the Lord of House Dawn. We have Brienne of Tarth, we have Yara, we have Sansa, we have Arya Bran Davos, and And possibly a couple of other blokes. As I have uh, described him, Tits McGee Boy, Uh, what's his face? Lord of Robin, Robin Aaron. Robin Aaron. Of the Vale. Yes. He was there. Oh, was he there? Yeah, people are saying on Twitter he had quite the glow up. Right. He uh, became quite handsome, it seems, over the last okay. uh, few years training. Not but, that we're yeah, it, anymore. No, I mean, it was strange. How did all of these people get there? Why? How did they all find out? Do you not feel that it would have been good to have a scene where at least one person finds out that John killed Daenerys? Because they all come into this scene with that knowledge. And I just feel that is something that would have been incredible to see. Like, how... I bet Sansa would have been doing backflips when she found out. Like, John killed Daenerys. Get in. Because there would have been no body. So it, it would have only been John, John having to admit that he killed her. And But Drogon flew away with her. So, True. But it's not... Like, why would you lie about that? John's an honourable guy. If he yeah. was like, yeah, I killed Daenerys and Drogon flew off. Yeah. People are still going to react to that. And I'm also a bit confused as to why after, I mean, I know there's no uh, Grey Worm and the Dothraki, they follow a lead of uh, Khaleesi, they follow her orders, but it's never been in her style to take prisoners. Um, and, you know, they were executing people at the beginning of the of this episode. So I was quite confused why they then took uh, John and Tyrion as prisoners yeah, and not just killed them instantly. No, I I agree, and I can only assume... I mean, Tyrion, from the beginning, I don't know why Daenerys didn't kill him right away. No. Um, but, but yeah, for, for Jon, I can only imagine it's the Unsullied still need a ruler. They, they still feel that they need someone to lead them. And even though Grey Worm's in this high position, he's still feels the need for his whole life he's always been either a slave or Daenerys's man and needed someone to look to that's that's the only explanation I can come up with but he's pretty comfortable with leading everyone to go to Narth later on 
Like they're all just like, yeah, sure. Well, but then we, we're quite been, used to these boats. Well, at that point, he's been granted. Don't they give him his own house? They're like, start your own house. Do they? Or yeah. Do they just well, Dav- like, Davos, Davos like, brings off. it up. Um, it's not really. I must have missed that. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, we'll get there. So yeah. they're asking, uh, where is John? Um, and we we wanted both John and Tyrion to come, and they start arguing about the fate of John. Yara says that she followed Daenerys and wants the Unsullied to give him what he deserves. Aya is, just has another badass line. He's like, talk about killing my brother once more and I'll, I'll slit your throat. Um, Davos here again is trying to be the voice of reason. He's saying there's been enough, enough blood shed. Uh, this is where he goes, look, the Unsullied can go, take this part of land, start your own house. And Grey Worm is like, no, we need justice. Um, something has to be done about Jon Snow. I think I was too confused with, oh my god, Ed Muir Tully is here. Yeah. He invited this guy to really pay attention to what was going on there, so that's probably why I missed it. So Tyrion said, it's not for you to decide, it's for the king or queen to, to decide. Uh, you are the most powerful people in Westeros. Choose one. And Grey Worm here has a look where I think he's He's pissed off, but he knows deep down Tyrion is right. Like, Grey Worm doesn't have these power, this power to sentence Jon Snow. It is up for a king or queen to decide. Who is letting a prisoner run this meeting? Who? Someone has obviously brought them there. Probably not Tyrion, as he is a prisoner. And then I've, I think Grey Worm tried to get him to shut up once, not very convincingly. He does. And yet... He's he's leading the party. <laughs> he like, is, what? which is odd, but I think it just shows Tyrion's skill with words. And he know, like when Grey Worm tries to shut him up, he's like, "Yeah, okay, I should shut up," but it's still not for you to decide. Um, yeah. And also, I think probably everyone there isn't really that arsed that Tyrion betrayed Daenerys. No. I think they're all like, "Yeah, great, you're good," you know. And he didn't he didn't commit treason either, did he? He was... Not I mean, technically, no. He, he conspired later on, but the point where he was captured by Daenerys was just for um, for trying Damn to no, save no. his own brother. Yeah. It wasn't to take out the Queen. He was trying to stop the war from happening. Um, this bit was great uh, when they're saying we need to choose someone to be king. Ed Muir steps forward and starts to make his claim. Uh, this really made me laugh. And then Sansa's like, Uncle please sit. And everyone's (laughs) there just, it's almost like a Ricky Gervais episode of The Office where you're just cringing and going, oh, this is awkward. (laughs) It's like that Jonah Hill gif. You just need him like, just just cut it out, Eddie, or just sit back down, mate. You're lucky to be here. Sit down. Um, Sam then proposes a democracy. What a fucking crazy idea. (laughs) (laughs) Who the fuck would go for this? Everyone sort of having an equal say. Democracy, no. Um, yeah. I would have been really annoyed though if if that actually was how it ended. If they're all like, yeah, do you know what? That's a great idea. Well, I was like, fucking serious. Is this the end of this show just going to become the X Factor and the public vote who is going to make the king? (laughs) A bottom two every week. I've yeah. been to that. Um, Tyrion then suggests Bran should be king. And I think this was the moment a lot of people went, oh, for fuck's sake. Yes, this is this is the time when I shouted, for fuck's sake, at the TV. One of the times. 
Um, I put here, they all know he's clever. And even as a prisoner, he talks a lot of sense. He goes, what unites people? Armies, flags, stories. What is better than a story? No army can defeat it. Who has a better story than Bran? He fell from a tower and lived. He knew he couldn't walk again, so he learned to fly. He went beyond the wall. He became the three-eyed raven. Um, See, I have a, a few points on this one. Okay. I mean, first of all, imagine being told where, at the end of series four, when Tyrion kills Tywin, that in four seasons' time, the last rule of the Iron Throne is going to be picked by a committee of Sansa, Arya, Bran, Brienne, Grey Worm, uh, Tyrion in handcuffs, Edmure Tully, and the lad who was breastfed until the age of 14 or however long it was. You'd be like, nah. That, and that man with the happening. voice who always sounds like this. That guy. Yeah, just <laughs> bizarre. And uh, I, I also noted, um, in terms of stories, what about your sister to your left? She's had a hell of a journey. Either one of them have had a hell of a journey to get there. Arguably, Sansa's had the worst of all. Been victimised for years and years and has grown a strength and become a leader. She's learned from... She's managed to actually take something and learn from all of these horrendous things she's gone through. I, I don't get that Bran had the the worst story. But then I also thought, uh, to talk, sort of tie it into Avengers, has Bran seen 14 million different outcomes as to how this was going to go and has just played it so that he is the king? He's just played the ultimate long game. And just made sure everything's happened as needs to be, just so he gets he gets what he wants. He was never asked about being the free eyed raven or that, as long as he becomes king one day. Yeah, it kind of. Uh, I've got a few points there. I think the fact that Bran has never, as far as I remember, he has never killed anyone. Um, I think that's a good reason for him to be king going into this this new world they're creating. Um, I mean, I know he didn't want the throne. Um, Arya stated she doesn't want any of that. Uh, but also she's a killer. So even though her story has been great up to this point, I think the story of a of an innocent boy who fell, who survived, and has got to this point of being king is probably a better tale to be passed down in the ages than this little girl who ran around murdering people. He barely wants to be human, though. I know. <laughs> His form of like interacting with his long lost sister was to be like, "Hey, remember that time you got raped? Wasn't that a good time?" Like he's a fucking weirdo. How's he got any kind of di- diplomacy or anything about? I know he's got his counsel and whatnot, but it it just seems a a bizarre choice. Or I do say I much prefer this to him being the Night King. So yes, <laughs> the lesser of two evils. And uh, I know we're doing feedback later, but just because it ties in. Someone else on Twitter, Sean uh, Hiron, Hiron, has asked, do you think Bran knew that Daenerys was going to massacre the city before it happened? Seems like he was playing the long game, and I have to agree. I feel like this has been his gimmick, his tactic, the whole time. I think so. I think as soon as he became the Three-Eyed Raven, he saw this as the outcome, but knew everything was inevitable up to that point. Like, endgame spoiler, but like Doctor Strange seeing... Every the snap happening, the original snap had to happen for the eventual the eventual defeat of Thanos. I think it was an inevitable thing. He 
the the city needed to be burnt down. Daenerys needed to die for the wheel to truly be broken and restart. Yeah, on two wheels now. Yes. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, so Sansa makes a point that uh, Bran can't uh, bear kids, um, but they're going well. That's good because look how much. Uh, war has happened because of birthrights. From now, a ruler will always be chosen here by the lords and ladies of Westeros. And they... they were fucking roasting Bran here, <laughs> calling them the broken, you can't raise children, like, Jesus Christ, you make be like, alright, thanks, like... sis. Like... <laughs> yeah, it's like a compliment sandwich, like, you're broken, but you're gonna be king, but yeah. your dick doesn't work. You're really pretty in a plain, boring way. <laughs> you've got such a lovely stare yeah um, so Tyrion goes what do you say and he does his blank stare and goes why do you think I came all this way <laughs> so they oh, all bro. go around they go I, I, I uh, then Davos with the line not sure if I get a vote but I, I love him of course he gets a vote he gets two votes and then it comes to Sansa and she's like, I love you, baby brother, but you know what? I still want to be queen. So let's call it Six Kingdoms and I'll be queen of the North and Independent Kingdom. Um, and everyone's like, oh, was that an option? Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, I, I'd have said, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of want my to be king of my area as well. But OK. Um, I did find it, yeah, just a bit weird that we end up with Bran as king because it felt like his whole purpose was tied with the Night King and that story the whole time. Um, yeah. What the fuck was he doing in that episode? That's never been answered. He just pissed off doing an, under an Undertaker impression yeah. for 45 minutes. Yeah. And then it was pointless. He So he makes Tyrion his hand. Tyrion's like, oh no, I really don't want it. He's been through enough shit. But he's like, all right, I won't be king then. And he's like, if you're not the hand, uh, I won't be king. But Theon's going, look, uh, sorry, Tyrion, Tyrion's going, look, Davos would be great. He's like, nah, I want you, mate. I want you to be hand of the king. Grey Worm disapproves, but this is where I liked Bran here. He's like, yeah, I can do whatever I want. I'm the fucking king. Shut up, Grey Worm. Tyrion's my hand. <laughs> yeah, unlock those chains, motherfucker. So that's the end of that weird council. What did you think of this? Did you... I kind of enjoyed it, but as I said, we're going into epilogue te territory now where I feel we're just trying to wrap up um, each thread. I'm always a fan of scenes in Game of Thrones where characters that don't usually interact are interacting and are talking politics. I love that, but I just cannot believe that all the theories... Everything that happened, and this, this is how we decide the winner. Because this is it. Bran has won. Congratulations. Achievement unlocked. You are now the king. And it's decided in this council. And the whole idea is brought about by a prisoner. Like, this started off as, presumably, a trial and ended up in a coronation. Yes, but I also would say, up until now, every king that has come has been through death. Um, and this is the time to like start the new world. So everything is turned up on its head. So it, yeah. it doesn't make sense. A prisoner is like calling the shots here and a council are voting, but that's how you're going to 
start the new world. You're not going to break the wheel by murdering a king and becoming the queen. Um, it's the wild card rule. What I want to know is if you placed a bet on who will win the Iron Throne, does it pay out if you bet for Bran when there isn't an Iron Throne anymore? Yes, and I also think the same for bookies that had who will rule the Seven Kingdoms, because there's not Seven Kingdoms anymore. Exactly. And if I was a bookie, I'd be telling all the punters to stick it up their arse. Yeah. Technicality. So, any Sorry, of you lad. listening, if you betted on Bran, I want you to tweet us the, the wording of the bet, and did you get your money? Yeah, preferably a screenshot as well, if you've bet like an obscene amount of money. Oh, I hope so. I fucking love Schadenfreude. Yeah. So. <laughs> so Tyrion sees John and basically tells him that he's not going to be executed and uh, that King Bran is going to send you to the Night's Watch. He goes, nobody is very happy, which means it's a good compromise. John asks if it was right what he did. And Tyrion goes, what we did. John says, it doesn't feel right. Tyrion says, ask me again in 10 years. John's like, oh, I don't think we'll be seeing each other again. And he goes, after uh, 10 years being Hand of the King, I'm pretty sure I will want to be pissing off a wall. So, yeah. I. What is the point of the Night's Watch now? Because everyone's cool with the wildlings. Um, there's no mythical dead creatures to worry about. I mean, I'm sure they're there probably will be. It happened before thousands of years ago, probably thousands of years in the future. It may happen again. But you've also got an enchanted wall, which is now broken. So I can only assume the enchantment's broken off it. It's like they've just sent them all to the coldest place in the country to have a piss up. Yeah, it seems like an OK gig now. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind it, to be honest with you. Tormund seems like a good lad. It's funny because I, uh, I was watching this and really felt for John. At first, I was going, oh, you can't, like, this is the true king and he's been such a good guy throughout the whole time and he's going back to the Night's Watch, back to where he began. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, he never wanted to be king and he probably, he never felt like he really belonged until he was actually with the Wildlings. No, I think he's made up with this. He's wanted to... I think ever since he died and was brought back, he's had a, a sense of like, why am I here? Like, I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't yeah. want to be the leader. And he, he keeps finding himself in positions of authority. So he's probably like, oh no, you're sending me up to the Night's Watch. Yeah. Where I don't have to fuck around with any of you. Like, what What a shame. Well, I'll be off. Bye. So we see John back in his furs. He looks like Jon Snow from season one. Um, we see. I love that. Yeah, it, it was such a great image because it's like, oh, this this is taking me back a bit. We see Grey Worm with his men heading to Narth. Uh, this is where Missandei was from. So, yeah, it feels like he is now, like, leader of the Unsullied, essentially. But, like, I don't care. The only note I've written here is I hope Grey Worm's boat capsizes. <laughs> I just like he well, he turned out to be a dick. Yeah, the Queen's dead. I'm not I, asked. I, I would really have quite to... liked a John V. Grey Worm sort. Yes, fight. that was just what I was going to say. Yeah, I I would have loved that for John to to John to see him off. But also, it feels a bit of a. It feels like you're defeating the big boss and then going down to the secondary villain if you do it that way. 
So, well, yeah, I mean, if you would have done it, I assume maybe John versus Grey Worm first in an yeah. actual fight, and then you still could have done the the backstabbing. But, um, you know, we're not writing, nor are we yep. signing a petition to get it rewritten. So, <laughs> which kids talk shit about it afterwards. <laughs> so then, I'm sorry, Mike, I'm going to do another Lord of the Rings reference. All right, honestly, it, Please, if if you're listening to this, um, please, if you could provide further context on all of these references, maybe put them in another format for me. I know quite a bit about Back to the Future, um, The Simpsons, wrestling. If you can try and reword these references that Portman's giving me, much appreciated. Thank you. <laughs> Just saying wrestling. <laughs> I'm thinking back to John, John killing... Um... Daenerys, and how long before we see an image of uh, I'm sorry, I love you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. Anyway, so this to me was the Grey Havens from the end of Return of the King. This is the goodbye. Oh, yeah, I agree. Where these characters are never going to see each other again. Um, John's sailing off on a boat to the to join the Night's Watch. Um, he tells Arya that she can come and see him whenever. Um, he's like, I know no women are allowed at Castle Black, but you're Arya Stark, and I don't think anyone's going to argue with you. She says she wants to discover what is west of Westeros, uh, beyond the maps. Um, her and John embrace. This This made me start to choke up a little bit. Arya's big brown eyes just tearing up. Uh, Sansa and uh, John have a bit of a hug, uh, John then kneels to Bran and says, I'm sorry I wasn't there when you needed me. And one last weirdo Bran moment, he goes, you are exactly where you were supposed to be. Um, he can just get away with saying any old shit and people will just believe it. Yeah. It it was meant to be, John. Like, fucking, was it? You fluke there. You're lucky there's no throne now. Like, you've got your own throne. Like, it's all very convenient for Bran. Maybe I'll... he's the villain. It's like, sorry, I'm late, Bran, just heavy traffic. You're exactly at the time you needed to be here. It's like... Imagine... Sorry, gone. No, that's it. <laughs> I was going to say, imagine if this... if I mean, again, spoilers, but this film is over 20 years old. Imagine if the series ended like Kaiser Soze at the end of Usual Suspects. So everyone <laughs> leaves and Bran's getting wheeled up. And as he's getting wheeled up, he just slowly gets out of his chair starts walking towards the throne and is just like, oh, get in, peace and quiet, made it. <laughs> um, yeah, this was a pretty emotional scene, just the the siblings we've seen from the beginning all saying goodbye. But the next scene is the bit that really choked me up. I never thought I'd cry at watching someone write a book, but I did. This scene really got to me. It's Brienne flicking through one of the books of All the Houses, and gets to the name Jamie Lannister. And all the stuff it's saying about him are pretty negative, calling him the Kingslayer. And then she picks up her quill and starts to write all the great things she's done, how he's uh, promised to serve Catelyn Stark and protect her, uh, her children, and just all the things, how, he's, how he lost his hand in combat. And it ends with... He died protecting his queen. Oh, Mike, this got to me. Yeah, I mean, as I say, I've had some time to to digest what happened to Jamie, and and I am fine with it. He he is the most tragic character in the series, and this sort of cemented it. It was almost, 
I got the impression that Brienne, she was heartbroken by what happened, and and but not in the sense that of like a oh fuck you Jamie you've you've ruined me. Just in a sense of this this guy was tortured and he thought he was doing the best. He was confused and you know he he paid the price for it. Yeah. Um, I I have a comment which now after hearing you, you know, rightfully exclaim how emotional the scene was seems a bit lowbrow um but i'm gonna throw it out there anyway uh i think brienne should have just written jamie is the nastiest skank bitch i've ever met do not trust him he's a fugly slut and renamed it the burn book um and i don't think anyone could really argue with that to be fair he was a fuck boy stole my v then fucked his sister like yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I, I thought this was pretty beautiful because she was just trying to erase that dirty Kingslayer uh, moniker he had and and have him because, as Tyrion said early, stories last forever. And she left him from being a Kingslayer to someone who died protecting his queen. Yeah, I thought this was beautiful. Yeah, it, it was a great ending for, for their relationship or, or sort of a just a bookmark on it um just to tie it off a bit nicely and i'm so glad we saw brienne again because i'd have like you couldn't leave her the way she was two episodes ago with him running off and her crying that being the last image of brienne like would have been awful no that I, i agree entirely we she deserves a happy ending she was she was one of the good ones and she got it in the end so yeah so that is good So we see Tyrion in an empty council room. He suddenly has OCD. We've we've not really seen this before, but he's rearranging the furniture. And then Bronn, Davos and Sam enter and just fuck all the furniture up again. That was such a great callback to a scene. I think it was in series three, I believe, um, when Tyrion goes to the small council meeting that Tywin's leading with Cersei. And he awkwardly grabs the chair and just yes, that's right. screeches it along to the other. I thought that was a brilliant callback oh, to that I didn't pick scene. up on that, but yeah, you're completely right. Uh, Sam puts down a book called A Song of Ice and Fire, which obviously <sighs> is the name of... It's a bit on the nose. Again, a this bit is, on the nose. It's very, a- it's very Bilbo Baggins and Samwise Gamgee writing there and back again and The Lord of the Rings. Um, this I... almost fucking derailed the episode for me. I said this last week. The worst thing that I would want is for it to end with uh, a f- ending with George R. R. Martin as Sam writing the book, and this was fucking close to it. And ugh, this was the last for fuck's sake that <laughs> I uh, shouted at the TV during this episode. So I Sam said too cheesy. Yeah, he said he came up with the title. I didn't quite catch who who did he say wrote the book. His was this uh, the Jim Broadbent char- character? I believe so, yeah. Grandmaster Ebersole? Okay. Ebersol. I might have pulled that out of my ass, so apologies. Someone will correct us on Twitter, I'm sure. Um, but it, it, yeah, it was another Grandmaster or Archmaster who, who wrote this. So he says this is the history of the wars since the death of King Robert. Uh, Tyrion asks if he comes across favor- uh, favourably in it. And he says, there isn't actually any mention of you. I'm sorry, how do you omit Tyrion from this story? He was, They're dwarfist. He's been Hand of the King, Hand of the Queen. There was the Battle of Blackwater. Like, I, I felt for Tyrion here. Come on. 
I mean, even if they put him in the book as saying he killed Joffrey, like, even though that's incorrect, at least he gets a mention. I know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the trial, I really think all that, yeah. I. They just hate dwarves, I think. Yeah, I thought this was, they were trying maybe for a little gag here, but it was just, I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> It's true. It did feel like there was an, a uh, there was a couple of times in this scene where it felt like there was a pause for laughter. Yes, and it didn't quite sync with the tone of the rest of the episode. Yeah. So King Bran comes in and says they need a new master of whispers, of law, of war. Um, they... Do they though? No, not really. He he's the free-eyed raven. He can see anything, anywhere, anytime in the past. Why does he need? some fella or woman to tell him what's going on. He's the free-eyed raven. He knows what's going on. But, yeah. you know, never mind. Uh, this is just a bit of chitter-chatter back and forth between them all. We're kind of learning what everyone's role in the council is. We learn that Bronn finally does have his castle. He's... Uh, the debt has definitely been repaid. Um, and they're... They start, Tyrion starts handing out instructions of what they need to do, what he needs to do as Master of Coin. Um, Bronn is very concerned of the burning down of these brothels and thinks using the coin to rebuild some brothels instead of some much-needed ships would be more worthwhile. This was just a fun little scene, really, to see that all the guys we've liked, all these secondary characters, have now a big role uh, in working for the king. It did seem very fan servicey. As I said earlier, I love scenes where characters that don't normally interact interact with one another. Um, but again, it just felt strange. Like like the Dragon Pit scene, it just felt a bit strange. Um, like how how did Bron get there? It just seems like that was a big jump to him being there and part of the the table. How did he find out Jamie was dead? How did he get? His debt reap, obviously, we're told he's now um, Lord of Highgarden. But how did that negotiation go? I feel like Jerome Flynn, who's been fantastic throughout this series, kind of got done a bit dirty on the last season. He, he was barely in it, sadly. Yeah, complete. I do agree with you there. But I also kind of, you you watch these scenes and you can fill in the gaps yourself. I don't think it's that necessary to have all these moments for secondary characters, like to see how they got there. You've just got to kind of accept, look, this is where they are now. I It but doesn't it only, bother me as much as I think it bothers others. I, I think it only bothers me so much because it it's this season and the last season. Last season, not as much, but this season, definitely big jumps in travel. Um, you know, think about if Jamie and Brienne's journey through season three was done now. That would be one episode. True. If that, it would be half an episode. And and it's because of those journeys and because of the time we spend with those secondary characters, which is why we love them so much, which is why we love Bronn, we love Brienne, uh, even Podrick. Um, but, you know, we, we're, we're, we're losing out on scenes with these characters just because they were like, no, we, we can do it all in this time. And I think... I think a lot of the criticism would be reduced if the same story happened, the same plot points happened, if it was just a little bit more spread out, but not Daenerys turning. That was done in eight years. <laughs> we then see that John returns to Castle Black and we see some red hair at the top of the screen and Tormund... Massive pop. 
and John see each other. We then have this montage to beautiful music. Is is Ramin Jawadi the MVP of Game of Thrones? Absolutely. Absolutely. My, uh, I wanted to get into this later. Favourite scenes uh, of the series, um, and pretty much all of them, uh, all of my favourite scenes, have been greatly improved by the score that, that he's created. He has right. done a wonderful job. And it, I believe he also does the music for Westworld as well. Okay. And the music in that is is fantastic. He is oh, superb. It's beautiful. I mean, I've noticed it in previous seasons, but I think this season especially, it's just been so beautiful. Um, I'm actually going on my birthday weekend. Uh, there's a Game of Thrones concert here in Toronto at the Amphitheatre. So it's an out- outdoor venue. And they're doing uh, the score of Game of Thrones, which oh. I think is going to be fantastic. I did see that uh, they announced the tour, but no UK dates as of yet. So if anyone's listening and wants to send me to uh, DVP's birthday and watching the Game of Thrones concert, please slide oh, in the you DMs. Oh, sound I, like Brayden. You and I will whore. send you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I and I will and I will provide you with my PayPal and tape requests. <laughs> So we've got this montage. Uh, we see Arya setting off on her journey to the west. We see Sansa getting crowned. We see John back with the wildlings and he sees ghosts. And all you people moaning a couple of weeks ago, he gets to pet ghost here. Right. I, like- I agree with that. But if this was all... Because obviously, like uh, some of the, the scenes earlier, which we said were direct criticism to what's being said about this series, if they've known, because obviously they've not filmed this in the last two weeks, if they knew that Ghost was going to get his pet, which I think was we all wanted, why did HBO release a statement and be like, oh, it, it was CGI? Just keep your mouth shut. You know it's coming in two weeks. Yeah, Just let people I read moan. that. They said, yeah, it, was, it would be too difficult to do the sort of the petting with the fur and all that, wasn't it? Yeah, but... It, obviously not. They obviously had it in the can. Yeah. So un- unless they thought this was like a bit of misdirection, which I don't think it was, the statement wasn't particularly well received. Why? Why not just keep your mouth shut? You know that Ghost is going to get that pet and be the best boy this side of the wall. Like, just keep your mouth shut, and, and we'll all we'll all have a great time when it happens. And I did have a great time when it happens. Ghost is the the best boy. Yeah, he's a good boy. Don't um, all the cast members have their direwolves? Like the ones that were puppies in season one, they all kept them as dogs. Oh, really? Is that true? Uh, I believe Sophie Williams, Sophie Turner, sorry, and Maisie Williams have theirs. Oh. I don't know whether uh, everyone else kept theirs, but they still post on Instagram that they have the dogs. Oh, I like that. That's nice. Um, so, yeah, he's petting Ghost. Um, it seems like, yeah, John has chosen to be the wolf over being the dragon, which I thought was beautiful. Um, we see, yeah, Sansa gets crowned. Everyone's going, Queen of the North, Queen of the North. And then John leads the free folk beyond the wall. Do you, I, I took from this, he's the king beyond the wall. Yep, yeah. absolutely. He, it was as if he was told, right, you're going to the wall and you go into the night's watch, and he's just gone. Yeah, 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 of course I am, mate. Of course I am. Meet up, Tormund and the boys. Go north, have a great time. Yeah, because that they are his people. There's no one in the north anymore for him. 
if he's in the north, he's just going to overshadow Sansa. Um, he, he needed to to get away and be with his pals. Yeah. I now I know you weren't that. This is the end of the episode. The as I said, the music is just stunning here, and the credits roll. Uh, I loved it. I think I might be in the minority from things I've seen, but as I said, I wanted going into this. I wanted character arcs paid off. And I think I've come out of it. I'm not asking any questions. We know where everyone ends up. I think the story the whole time was about the siblings. Arya, Bran, John, and Sansa. Everyone else was secondary. They're, I mean, incredible secondary characters. But these were your four. These were the four you ended the show on. Um... Bron gets his castle. <laughs> like, I, I think everyone ends up in exactly the place they should have been. Um, I loved it. I I agree with that. I feel if I hadn't watched this series and, and you just read to me, like, this is where so-and-so ends up and this is where this person ends up, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I, I, I'm happy with that as an ending. It's, you know, I've, I've defended this series. I, I thought it was great i thought last week was great i thought the turn was done brilliantly mm. any issues i had with episode four were then rectified in in hindsight and answered um and as i say this episode was was classic thrones up until the time jump um and i know it wasn't a massive time jump but i feel we lost out on so many good moments that that would have really added and sort of given these characters more of a proper goodbye there there's no reason why they couldn't have made it seven and seven i don't know why they thought six episodes for the last series would have been fine the rumor is hbo told them excuse me that you can have 10 episodes per season uh, and they said no we can wrap it up in 13 so i think almost you have to look at it as two parts of the last season but it feels like so much got crammed into this second half of this episode um, that that it almost didn't make sense. Like, why is Arya now moving uh, west of Westeros like a pirate? You know, Starks aren't famous sea-bearing people. Her story over the last few years has been training to become no one. Then she's realised she's not no one. She's Arya Stark from Winterfell. So she goes back to Winterfell. She sticks up for her family. She gets rid of Littlefinger. Then she's back to being a warrior. She kills the Night King. She's reminding John of a, of his family at the beginning of this episode. And then suddenly it's like, oh, right, well, I'm going to piss off on this boat and go that way. What kind of story is that? I'm sure they could have explained it if they had more time. But that just felt a bit out of the way. And like Sam becoming a maester as well. I'm sure he left in a bit of disgrace. He robbed a load of books uh he sort of brought they didn't like him anyway for bringing a woman and child how has he become a grand maester now i know these this might sound a bit nitpicky but i love being in this universe of westeros and game of thrones and i just felt we could have had a bit more not it's not a plot issue i have it's just i, I felt it was just very rushed this this particular episode I... I have to disagree. I mean, obviously, it's that's that's your opinion, but you're basically saying you'd end episode six with John killing Daenerys, and then episode seven is 
Sam getting back in favour with the Meisters. Like, come no. on. This is, I don't... I think you can fill in the gaps yourself. I think, going to the Arya point, her whole... Right from episode one, she's essentially been on her own. And I think that's where she feels the most comfortable is on her own, travelling, seeing the next adventure. Then why didn't she carry on with being a faceless man and, and go with that and become this badass assassin if she's fine on her own? Why come back? She she wasn't aware of everything that was going on. But she but doesn't she came back anyway. an assassin anymore. But, but what is she? Is she an explorer? Yeah. Where's that come from? She's not Dora. <laughs> you know, she. I, I just don't get it I think, i'm not saying you should have ended an episode with john killing daenerys and then had a whole epilogue episode i just feel it could have been paced out a bit more the whole season and had things sort of carry over maybe have more ramifications of of daenerys going mad um what do those conversations look like and then you know maybe even leave on a cliffhanger of what's going to happen between john and daenerys and then pick that up i just feel there was a lot crammed into the last half of this episode i I know people have hated or had strong opinions that the whole series has been rushed but i really think you notice it in this finale yeah i just i just think that's a the nature of wrapping something up i don't like personally i i don't want to see all these conversations i don't want to see bron getting his car so i'm happy with the fact knowing he's got it i think the climax is the john and daenerys thing and I think you're just going to have a long, boring episode if you're seeing how these people get to these places. I think you can just assume from everything you've seen how they get there. Um, As I say, I think it, it's it's more just because I love this series. Completely. And I, I love watching it and I love being in that world. And it is sad that it's over. Um, but as you say, it's not it's not a plot thing. If you told me this is where everyone ends up, I'm fine with it. I just wanted a little bit more from it and, and I was a bit let down. But you are right. It's very, very difficult to appease everyone with a finale of something so massive. People are always going to be disappointed by it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's yeah the, the nature of anything people love coming to an end. I Like the final season of Lost, everyone was the same about that. People were very negative originally about the end of Sopranos. Uh I know a lot of people felt the last three episodes of Game of Thrones, kind of, sorry, of Breaking Bad, sort of took a huge turn. Um, How I Met Your Mother took a massive shit over the last eight seasons that preceded it with, with the last one. Yeah. I, I mean, I know that's not quite as epic TV, but it's the one that burned me the most. It is. And, like, I just feel it's very difficult to satisfy people. I, as a fan, was was satisfied with this conclusion. I thought you had the the epicness early on, and then they wrapped up the characters um, in a way I was satisfied. But I can get people being disappointed, but I, I think sometimes maybe it takes, as Tyrion says, ask me in 10 years, it it maybe takes a rewatch and to, to step away from it a bit and be less emotionally invested because I think... There's there's a sense of disappointment just the fact it's come to an end and you're not going to see these people. There's no anticipation of what happens next anymore. Um, yeah, that is very true. Um, and I'm not saying at all. And I don't understand people that do say that 
and um, you know we briefly touched upon it last week i don't think this episode being disappointing to me ruins the unbelievable time i've had watching this show for the years before um i don't think there was anything that could have happened that would have made me hate everything that come before it game of thrones is still to me my favorite tv show i've ever watched okay the last episode wasn't quite what i wanted and in isolation probably not my favorite episode didn't like it that much but what an incredible feat over the last eight seasons oh completely um you know it's similar to endgame just the ambition to try and wrap all of this up in a way that doesn't leave too many questions is something to be applauded even if you know not necessarily every single thing about it is liked by everyone yeah i agree i agree um shall we go to some feedback yes let's go do you want to go first i have it loaded up this week sure uh we have eric from sudbury uh he starts with a little meme of a dying robert baratheon saying give me something for the pain and let me die i mean what an unsung hero robert baratheon was in hindsight he really was the best leader all he did was get pissed and shag (laughs) So, jokes aside, I've really disliked this season, but I actually didn't mind the conclusion. It was a bit underwhelming, perhaps, Daenerys' death scene in particular. I still thought the writing was a bit sloppy, and it was probably a bit rushed, but at least the plot points made sense, to me at least. It was certainly better than Dexter. I know that's not saying much, but I really want to grasp at the straws of happiness and positivity right now. I'm glad you enjoyed the season at the very least, and your discussion last week about it if a bad finale ruins an entire series, was interesting. For what it's worth, I rewatched some old episodes today, and I perhaps appreciated them even more considering what we'd get later. Would love to hear you guys look back at some older seasons or the books, if you ever get the itch. That would be a lot of time, although yeah. I'm fully prepared to say I'm likely going to rewatch this from Series 1 to Series 8 when the Season 8 box set comes out. Um <laughs> But oh, you're asking a lot of us there, uh, Eric. There's a lot of hours to put in. Yeah, we've spoken for four hours about two episodes. Imagine what we'd do with the other seventy-one. God. <laughs> uh, next, we have Breng seventy-seven. Decent end, but felt it got a little cute, showing all the wrap-up feel-good moments. Uh, Bron, Pod, Ghost, etc. Felt like a lot of fan service in this last episode, with most fan favorites surviving. Loved the, loved Brienne as Lord of the Kingsguard scene, though. I was surprised how early Danny was killed. Part of me felt there would be more build-up, but it also felt like the right time to do it based on opportunity. The time jump to get all the lords together threw me a bit, as why did they keep John and Tyrion alive for so long if Grey Worm wanted them dead? Were the Northerners already laying siege or prepared to fight if John died? Felt like he could have told Arya to prep them, but then it also seemed like he didn't care about living. Either way, I'm satisfied with this conclusion to 20 years of waiting and look forward to the books to see how different things are. Um, Yeah, I think a lot of people are are waiting for those books even more now uh, just to see how different they are. And I think a lot of people who were disappointed in the TV show uh, are probably now hedging a lot of their bets on the books to sort of make them feel a bit better and give them the ending they want. So it will be interesting to see exactly what uh, George R. R. Martin told uh, Benioff and Weiss and, and what makes it to the books. Yeah, I, I definitely want to go back and and read them. I've, As I said, I've read, 
I've read it all up until the last one that's been published. Um, so I, I think I might start from the beginning again uh, and reread. Yeah. I think it's easier now. Now that I've got more of a grasp from watching the show of who all these characters are, um, I think it's going to help reading them a lot and then be excited yeah. when it goes goes off the trail a bit. I haven't read the books. Um, I've heard a lot about them. I actually... Uh, my my nan, my grandma, she doesn't watch much TV, but she loves a book. So I bought her the first Game of Thrones book as I'd watched the series. Um, and she she smashed through all five books. She's read them twice. Oh, has wow. watched the series front to back twice. And she keeps banging on about how good uh, the books are. So I think now the series is finished and seeing how they've made it end, uh, I'm, I'm more, much more likely to start reading the books now and see how different they are. Yeah, completely. There's also no shame in an audio book if you're stuck for time. Why would I listen to an audio book when I can listen to such fantastic podcasts on the po- on the post ne- what, uh, post wrestling network? Oh, that plug like, was almost next, so good there. <laughs> it was it was a touch it was a touch off of gold, but um you know, you get it. Don't listen to audio books, kids. Read books, listen to podcasts. We have Chris from Pennsylvania. Despite being a little underwhelmed by the last 20 minutes or so, overall, I really like this episode and the season as a whole. Peter Dinklage carried this episode and has had some of the best scenes in the final season. I was pleasantly surprised that John finally grew some balls and took out Danny, and I found the scene with Brienne complete, completing Jamie's entry in the Kingsguard book really touching. I could cut a Sami Zayn-style promo on everyone bitching about his final season, <laughs> but I'll just say this, while it wasn't perfect... It was a, still a lot better than all the hate it's getting online. I felt most of the characters got the right payoff, even if they didn't get their happy ending. 8 out of 10 for the final episode, 10 out of 10 for the series. It's been a huge pleasure to watch, and I am really going to miss it. Please, can we get that Sami Zayn-style promo, Chris? If you wouldn't <laughs> mind. It would just be really great. Wear a flat like cap, though, and record it. Yeah, if you could also incorporate some scar moshing, that would, that would be great. Uh, next, we have Tony, and he says that he didn't like Samwell's Song of Ice and Fire bits or Bran being named king. Pretty much made John being a Targaryen at all entirely pointless. Those nitpickings apart, it was a fine end to the best show on TV. Any disappointments I have are only down to the high expectations the show has given me. The entitlement of those who have been highly critical of this season is ridiculous. I'd echo the call of you doing a rewatch podcast, should you wish thanks and now my watch has ended still hate bran Aww. i mean gu- guys I, we appreciate the love there's a lot of game of thrones to rewatch. <laughs> <laughs> um i think that is a very good point that he's made though um in regards to john being a targaryen being a- entirely pointless because what did it add to the story other than a bit more paranoia for danny i mean did it obviously it it never came into it was never brought up at the council meeting really um it wasn't really touched upon if it would have just stayed a rumor and it wasn't confirmed i don't think that the story would have actually changed much yeah because i mean really if like after he killed danny he could have just been king and surely yeah no matter where gray worm's loyalties are he'd have to obey the king and I was confused about sending him to the Night's Watch as well. I mean, I know they said you relinquish all titles, but at that point, was he 
Aegon Targaryen? Was he Jon Snow? Did he? Does he need to be legitimised, or is it a case of, well, you were never actually a Snow. This was a mistake. You were born in wedlock, and you are Aegon Targaryen. Um, you are the heir to the throne. So that was a little bit confused. I, I, I can't. I, I do get the point there in regards to maybe a little bit pointless. I want to know in uh, the book that Sam had whether it mentions that he's Aegon Targaryen. Like, how Ooh. how far did that uh, knowledge travel? Because obviously we know Tyrion knows, Sam knows, Sansa, Arya, and Bran know. Did it go beyond that? Yeah, and what is to stop in future John being like, actually, do you know what? I I, I probably would like to be king. Yeah. <laughs> now, now that I think about it. It's rather cold here. Yeah, Yeah, it's a bit nippy. Although it did look like spring was breaking through already. There was some grass coming through in the snow. We had, you know, six or seven years of summer and then one year of winter and then back to summer or spring. Not bad as far as it goes on Westeros. No, pretty, pretty decent season. Right. Next, we have Chuck Flamini. He goes, not sure who are worse, Game of Thrones fans or wrestling fans. Fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic story and an ending that we can all be happy about, no matter who your favourite character was. Was great to see Danny as the Queen. Most visually surreal moment of the series for me was uh, with the big ass Targaryen flag on half a broken King's Landing castle, with Danny all in black as Queen and Drogon behind her with his huge ass wings. Amazing scene. Fuck Jon Snow, but he's only one worthy of. He, but he's the only one worthy of killing her. Rest in peace, Queen Danny. You almost made it. Was good to see Sansa become the independent Queen of the North, sat John off to nothing, and all the second-tier characters doing the council roles was fun. I think it's still real. It's a chuck, isn't it? <laughs> uh, next, we've got MJ from NJ, or as he has described himself, MJ, King in the North, Jersey, and Knight of New York. Uh, he split his review first 40 minutes, a great conclusion that evokes emotion, Drogon and Danny, Tyrion and his siblings. Next 40 minutes, huh? What? Did the Unsullied and Dothraki just tranquilo when they learned of Danny's death? Did all the lords just magically appear and think nothing of the sack of King's Landing? Is banishing John to his destined home actually punishment? Also, how did that all get rebuilt? Uh, so all of the other lords are cool with a Stark on the throne, a Stark kingdom, and Starks are roaming far north and west of Restoros. Did he even know John is a Targaryen? And Bran, pe- Bran played the long con and won with an explanation provided by a man in chains. <laughs> tremendous show, cinematic experience. Oh, sorry. Tremendous show with a cinematic experience, uh, a feat in show crafting. But the final 40 minutes summed up how Rush season seven and eight felt. Um, I agree entirely there, MJ. Right, we go to Kevin Hudson. They promised for almost 10 years for show watchers and almost 20 years for book readers that this wouldn't have a happy ending. And then it did. Like, super happy. Safe, fulfilling and tame. John killing Danny and effectively ending tyranny was so good, she broke the wheel even though she had to die to do so. That wasn't necessarily predictable, even though everything that happened was super obvious. After 10 years, I'm thoroughly satisfied to have taken that ride. Uh, Breng77 has commented again. 
uh, saying, after talking to a bunch of people, I just want to ask, am I the only one who thinks it is at least strongly implied that Tyrion was gelded and then in brackets made a eunuch? At the end of the dragon pit, when he is made hand, Grey Worm says it's not enough and Tyrion looks down slowly and we fade to black. To me, that was implying he would be gelded and that would be the end of his house as punishment for his crimes, which seemed poetic justice as the unsullied eunuchs and Varys, who he sold out, was also. Hmm. I didn't get that, if I'm honest. I didn't get that, but it also does make sense. Yeah, I can see that. I think they'd have maybe implied it a bit stronger, um, because I didn't pick up on that, but that's that's cool if you did i and as you said you've it is poetic justice um yeah that's the end of feedback from the forum do you have any more from uh twitter or your dms at all uh no one has slid into the dms um we just had sean earlier as he said uh the ending was pretty great i can't complain um and he thinks bran uh knew that daenerys was going to massacre the city uh, but he says he also hopes Arya gets a spin-off, which is a question I wanted to ask you, uh, DVP. Mm. So we know there's some spin-offs coming, so uh, a prequel series about the original Long Night. Um, I want to pitch a couple of spin-offs to you, okay? and I just want to let you know what you feel about them. Uh, so the first one, we've got Arya and her pirate adventures. Uh, would you be interested? Sure. It, would it be called West of Westeros? Yeah, sure, why yeah. not? Okay, yeah, sure, I'd be up for that. All right. Uh, the next one, um, it's going to be a, a half-hour sitcom. Uh, John and Tormund in a wacky comedy above the wall, hunting things and getting pissed. Uh, similar to Bear Grylls with a load of cans. Mm, is John funny? Well, he plays a good straight man. Have you seen that uh, the tennis thing he did with Andy Samberg on HBO? I think it's Seven Days in Hell. Oh, no, I did hear about that, though. He's a fantastic straight man. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yep. Yeah, half an hour as well. I like my half-hour comedies. They're easy to digest late at night. So, sure. Um, And then the last one would just be uh, Tyrion and his small council, a political drama, House of Cards. We've got no no wars to fight. We've got uh, no dead coming. Pure politics. Hmm. I don't have I don't have a snazzy name for that like the uh, like any of them really either. I'm not sure about that one. I would like maybe Bron to present a like uh, you know those those daytime TV shows where they go and do up a house on a budget. <laughs> sixty minute makeover. Or I'd something I'd like, that. like Bron to have a sixty minute makeover program as uh, the what Lord of Coin. Um, trying to rebuild the brothels. Um, yeah, I was going to say it would have to be exclusively brothels. Yeah, I'd I'd yeah. be down for that. Have him and I don't know Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen or something. There are a lot of references here. That a lot of people, our, our audience here, are not going to to recognise. So I encourage you all to go and Google sixty minute makeover and Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen. Yes, um, they are. There are some incredible suits on display there. Uh, my favourite thing episodes, it was Changing Rooms, wasn't it? Whenever Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen would do someone's house and then they just cry because yeah. of how awful it is. Uh, I'm sure there there are compilations on YouTube. They're, they're a lot of fun. 
I'm sure there was one he turned someone's living room entirely purple with like <laughs> the law wallpaper and they were like the most normal couple and they just broke down in tears and he was just like, <laughs> oh, you know, it, it adds character to the room. Like, no, mate, you've made my fucking living room look like Grimace. <laughs> right. We've gone off the trail a bit here. Um, do you have any final thoughts of uh, the series as a whole? Anything you haven't said that you want to say, or do you think we've kind of touched on everything? Um, to anyone that signed the petition uh, to get this series remade, one, um, how much better could you do? Uh, because two, if I ever become a multi-millionaire sale in Euro Millions, I'm going to be messaging every one of you and asking you to remake this series. And if it's not better, then you can all stick it up your ass. Um, no, I thought, you know, as I said earlier, it, it's difficult to wrap up a series this big. I'm going to miss it. Um, I don't think it'll hit for a while. We've still got next week. There's a documentary on the making of the series, which I believe is going to be different from the inside the episodes they post on YouTube. Um, and I just want to shout out to my favorite moment of the series uh the montage of pod singing jenny's song although it led nowhere no one died that was possibly my second favorite scene in this series behind the blowing up um of the high septon i thought that was absolutely fantastic what about you have you got a favorite moment of the season or or the series as a whole um i did love the i like any musical montage thing so I loved in the the long night the uh, the bit leading up to Theon running towards the Night King and then Arya finally killing the Night King. I and then just the horror during the battle with that beautiful piece of music. Um, the image of Daenerys from this episode with the dragon behind her. Um, I think there's the Red Wedding is always going to stand out as one of the the biggest shocks. Uh, yep. In the whole series, I think I think that really took some topping. Um, the Mountain and the Viper as well, shout out to that. Oh, God, I had, yeah. I had the Red Wedding spoiled for me, uh, unfortunately, before watching it. Um, but I had no idea what was going on there. Thought Prince Oberyn was going to be in it for the long haul and was emotionally distraught after that. That was incredible. Probably one of the best one-to-one fights in the series as well. Yeah um but as a whole i i love this series i'm glad i came back to it um and yeah i was satisfied so i i don't really have any complaints i think it was a complete achievement in television something that we're we're possibly not going to see anything like again especially with tv moving towards more binge streaming service kind of programming um absolutely this is uh i assume going to be one of the last I mean, you've got programs like Westworld, um, which will be back next year, which are big, don't get me wrong, but and I know that's only had two series so far, but it's it's going to be, it seems difficult for me to imagine a, a TV series, uh, a weekly episodic TV series, becoming as much of a pop culture phenomenon as this has. Oh, completely. I, I would love, to, if TV really is moving towards, I mean, it is, these streaming services and binge TV, I would love them to stagger releases more um, because there's something there's something I miss. And this is what I loved about Lost, what I loved about Breaking Bad, what I love about this show is having the week's break. 
between each episode to theorize to to look in depth every like cell of the of the show to try and find clues and stuff and when you're when you just dump 10 episodes in one day how many people just come back and go oh have you seen have you seen stranger things yeah i watched it all yesterday it was fantastic but then apart from like any little loose ends they have to set up for a second season there isn't a great deal to talk about well i don't know i mean stranger things is pretty pretty hype i think that is is maybe the closest at the moment but that's what i'm Um, saying wouldn't you love that to be weekly rather than just 10 episodes dumped in one go there's there's something rewarding about having to wait a week and think about what's coming next i think for me yeah you definitely get a chance to digest it more i i on netflix now um sort of splitting seasons but not really in very small chunks i think with uh the sabrina series they did the first series they split into like six or eight um with then the second six or eight coming a few months later but even still i think stranger things is only eight episodes at once yeah uh so yeah it's it's difficult and i think also when when you binge um an episode uh, a series like that it's difficult to remember what happened in what episode because it just becomes one linear story. It comes a big film, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we do with our lives now? Oh, Game of Thrones is I ended. don't know. I'm, I thought I wasn't going into work tonight. The girl who was covering me said she can't cover me anymore. So I don't know. I'm just going to cry for a couple of hours and then put on a brave face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have avoid well i didn't have to avoid game of thrones spoilers today uh juice getting up early but i have avoided money in the bank spoilers all day and i've heard that there is some big news uh laura described it as being laura did not enjoy the finale um but she said that she read a money in the bank spoiler and she hated it worse than the thrones finale oh god so that is my plan for the evening nice um please no one tweet me any spoilers for the next three and a half hours thank you very much <laughs> Okay, well, on that note, I think we should both sign off. It's been a pleasure talking to all of you about Game of Thrones. I'm going to miss it. Uh, Maybe we'll talk about something else sometime down the line. Maybe we'll come back to Thrones at some point, but I don't know if we have that much time to do the whole thing. Maybe we could do a series, but then that would be a long episode. I mean, we, we do like to go on about Thrones, but it's the best, so... And thank you very much for all your nice comments during the week. That's been really kind to listen to, uh, to read and see. So awesome. Thank you. Okay. So, uh, yep. Check out uh, our regular Up Next show every Thursday. I'm with Braden Harrington talking about weekly NXT TV. And then we occasionally review some movies. We've got a Pokemon movie uh, review. The first Pokemon movie that should be coming out this weekend. Uh, the feedback thread is still open for that. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Davy Portman and follow my regular co-host Braden Harrington at the D. Michael, what is your handle? You can follow me on Twitter at Hogan Bay and that's B-E-Y-Y and Hogan like the wrestler, only I'm not a racist and I've had no racist controversies in my past. However, I do fully endorse taking the multivitamin every day. And you can find me on Instagram at at hogan.bay, B-E-Y-Y. 
please send me all your spicy thrones takes and memes love the memes and finally check out our t-shirt store www.prowrestlingtees.com forward slash up next okay thank you for listening everyone goodbye be safe and now our watch has ended Whether it's Kroger Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Kroger has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors, sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt. Especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Dunkin'. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.